episode 36 of the E1A podcast. It is just me again on this wonderful Friday, August 27th. And uh, like I said, sorry, you've just got me alone for uh, one more day. <laughs> hopefully I will be. I mean, I'm going to see Megan this weekend, so hopefully, I mean, we should be able to record. Um, and hopefully Michelle and I will record again soon, but you know, You've got me again. Uh, it's going to be an exciting episode, though, so I'm not trying to downplay my my importance or my, you know, my appeal <laughs> to all of you. But uh, I know you guys like having the co-hosts on, and so do I, so uh, thank you for bearing with me. It's just been a week. It's been a week. And uh, this week is very relaxing. I'm, you know, getting to take it easy this week. Uh, next week, the craziness will start up again, but it'll be manageable craziness. Unlike last weekend where it was just like, Ugh, never again, never again. Uh, do I, do I just want to end my week the way that I did? But welcome. Like I said, to episode 36, we've got another Connecticut ghost story and legend tale that we're going to be reading today. Like I mentioned on Wednesday's episode. Um, but before we go into that, like, rate, review, download, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we are also on Apple Podcast, Podbean, Spotify. And you can follow us on all of our socials. Uh, look us up at Evil and Eerie Podcast or Evil Eerie Podcast. Either way, uh, you should be able to find us. And uh, hopefully, you know, you guys are doing well. It is uh, the end of another week. And weeks just go by so quickly. Weeks and days go by so quickly when you're not in school. When you're in school, they drag. They drag. So, uh, I, I I do kind of like that the weeks are, like, passing by and, like, the weekends come sooner. But at the same time, I'm like, dang, I, I wish it would slow down. Now that I don't want it to pass, I don't need time to pass. I kind of want it to slow down. You know what I mean? But, I don't know. Like I, like I said in the last episode... Can't believe it's almost September, but the good news about September is that Luca is coming back. I mentioned in the last episode that she will be back from her uh, her trip. It's been uh, about two months since we've seen her, so she'll be coming back to work. Uh, her and I make a good team at work. Uh, we record videos for the YouTube channel, and I haven't been able to do it as much because it's not easy to really do on my own. Um, she's very proficient in cinematography and recording and all that uh so she does all of the behind the camera work which i don't really have training in to be honest with you um and i do all of the i go in front of the camera and i am uh the writer so we we both have our niche and it it really like we make a good team so i'm hoping that um when she comes back we can just jump right into things and uh she'll also be back in the podcast like i said in the last episode i don't know how many of you miss her um, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we all miss her, and uh, we're excited to have her back on the show. Uh, it's not, you know, I miss having someone that I bounce my sarcasm off of, because I like to be a very sarcastic um, asshole, and uh, it's not easy to do it with myself, so I need her here to do my eye rolls and my dramatic actions, so I'm excited to have her back. So I know I said on Wednesday's episode that I had uh, an announcement of sorts to make. And I I don't know if I mentioned this last week. Last week was kind of a blur. 
uh, I taped uh, Fridays and Monday of this past week's episodes on uh, last Friday. And I just, like, I at that point, I was so sleep-deprived. It was so early in the morning. <laughs> um, and I just, like, that weekend was just <laughs> hell on heels. So... <laughs> I don't recall if I've mentioned this, so it might be old news, but I don't know. I am in the process of putting together my first legitimate book. And now, I'm, as I'm saying this, I think I did mention this already. Because I said I wrote a book in high school, like the summer going into college, and it just absolutely sucked. It absolutely sucked. But, you know, um... This, uh, whew, sorry, I've got a bug bite. It's distracting me a little bit. Um, so I, I put a lot of ideas together. I'm kind of formulating the storyline, but it's going to be kind of a thriller mystery meets comedy because I, I just, I love mystery and comedy and I just like, I need to combine them and I'm, I need to put comedy in there because I don't like mystery writing like alone. I, I don't think I'm a great mystery writer, but I think when comedy is put in there, I think I could be pretty damn good. So, and I, I'm a great, like, in my opinion, like, comedy is my genre. Like, I, out of all the, like, everyone has their genre. For me, it's comedy. And unfortunately, comedy is not really a standalone novel genre. It's more of screenwriting. So, you know, TV shows and movies are a lot easier to write comedy than uh, with books. But I don't know. I, com I just, I love writing fiction and comedy is my strong suit so uh, i'll keep you guys updated on uh if and when i get that done. i mean not not if i will get it done <laughs> so it's just a matter of when um i will need test readers so i will kind of put out feelers and um maybe some you know reach out to you know have like you know reach out if you're interested um and i'll i'll pick a couple of people to test read it um, because I would love the feedback. And then I'll also keep you updated depending on what I do. Uh, haven't decided yet whether I should look for an agent straight out of the gate or if I should try and self-publish. I am not quite sure which, because I know there are a lot of pros and cons with both. Um, the problem is I am not a very patient person and the looking for an agent, which would ultimately probably be the better route um would would be would be time consuming so i don't know but i'll keep you guys updated and um i'm going to probably start piecing it together a little bit more today someone's home oh god oh people are home i don't like when people are home in, my, in the house mm. okay but anyway today we are doing another story Fort Griswold's Gruesome Ghosts. So we are back in Griswold, Connecticut, apparently, today. Oh, no, we're not. Never mind. Well, in the last episode, we were in Griswold, Connecticut, which I didn't know was a thing. Um, and I said I was going to research Griswold, and I didn't. Um, and I knew I wouldn't. I was just like, I was about to like put it up on my phone and Google search it, but I didn't. Oh no, I don't need to. 
But I was like, yeah, we're just, we're not doing this. We're just going to jump into the next episode because I've got stuff I've got to do. <laughs> so, without further ado, Fort Griswold's Gruesome Ghosts. During the War for Independence, many fortifications were erected on hills and ledges along the coastline to protect the towns from the British invasion. New London Harbor was home to many privateer ships commissioned by the state of Connecticut to raid and capture enemy vessels. Fort Griswold was erected to protect the harbor, ships, town, and British spoils taken by these privateer vessels. On September 6, 1781, British regulars invaded Groton and New London. Those are both places that I do know. Under the leadership of Benedict Arnold. We know that name. The first order was to burn down the home of Thomas Mumford, who for some reason had gotten on the wrong side of the British general. Then the rest of the town was to follow. In all, 75 dwellings, 37 stores, 18 mechanics shops, 20 barns, and nine public buildings were set ablaze. Most of the New London area made for quite a conflagration. conflagration. What? Arnold then ordered Lieutenant Colonel Eyre and his 800 troops to take up the fort on the Groton Shore. So, that's a very dramatic start to this story of Big Fire. Um, you know, like we said last time, like those like colonial times were, you know, were quite haunted for, um, you know, the, the, the were. I don't know, slurring my speech again because there are people going up and down the stairs and it's distracting me. This is why I just like being home alone. Just like being home alone, like the movie. <laughs> Nothing like the movie, but um, this, the colonial times were like the most haunted, I feel like, in, in the country. Like, I feel like they set the tone for the, like the ghost hauntings of the country just because it was such a creepy time. And, you know... There, it was just like there was a lot of death, a lot of conspiracy, not that there isn't today, but a lot of, you know, I mean, all the wars that happened. I mean, that's why Pennsylvania is one of the most haunted states in the country, because the Civil War battles that happened up there, like, oh my lord. And like, think of how many ghosts didn't get proper burials. That's one of the reasons why they, some of them stick around and haunt, because they didn't get proper burials, you know. And like that, same with like the Native Americans, like that. Because a lot of them also were just, like, killed without, you know. That's why a lot of, like, Native American reservations and stuff like that are haunted. So, like I said, dramatic start. Upon reaching the fort, Iyer honorably sent a flag forward demanding a peaceful surrender. But both times, it was refused. Continental Army Colonel William Ledyard was convinced that reinforcements were on the way and challenged the British troops despite the proclamation that no quarter would be given if the fort were to be stormed. The first barrage of fighting provided lethal for the British, as many were killed and wounded tried to cross the deep ditch in front of the garrison. The endless barrage of attacks paid off, and soon the British were able to infiltrate the fortress to the point where they actually opened the gates and marched in. And we have some pictures. This is the entrance to the Fort Griswold State Park in Groton. Look at that. 
that's a pretty cool entrance if you ask me. I mean, there's a cannon. There are two cannons sticking out of it. We might have to uh, take a field trip there. That looks kind of cool. I wonder if it's open to the public. It looks scenic, too. It's a very pretty picture. That might be the the best one that the book has. Hopefully it's open to the public. Jeez. Colonel Ledyard and his men were outnumbered by more than four to one as his 150 men made a futile attempt to hold off the 800 British soldiers. Oh, Lord. Who stormed the fort. Within 40 miles of light fighting... Uh, miles. 40 minutes of fighting. See what has... I don't know. Sometimes I just, like... I don't have dyslexia. I really don't. I just... I, and I, I've always read at, like, grade levels well above mine. But... For some reason... I just, like, sometimes I'll, like, skip words without even looking at them. Within 40 minutes of fighting, Colonel Ledyard was forced to surrender. The actual casualty count has been blurred over. Uh, Colonel Ledyard was forced to surrender. The actual casualty count has been blurred over the years, but it seems the British, though victorious, took a licking as well. According to rec uh, records, 85 American soldiers were killed and the rest wounded. When Colonel Ledyard presented his sword to Captain Bloomfield in the usual gesture of honorable concession. The captain turned the sword on him, killing him on the spot. At this point, the British reportedly killed most of the prisoners, and shots once again volleyed back and forth. The British then unloaded an artillery cart with the wounded so they could blow up the magazine within the fort. While moving the soldiers to safety, the artillery cart, full of wounded Americans, broke away from its carriers and reeled down a hill, crashing into a cluster of trees. That's just, that is one hell of a chain of events, if you ask me. The American version of the story was that the cart was pur purposely sent reeling down the hill. The impact was so brutal that the cries of the wounded could be heard across the river. Some died on the spot. The rest of the prisoners were taken to the infamous British prisoner ships where disease and death ran rampant. Locals later took the wounded, uh, who still showed signs of life, to the Ebenezer Avery House and nursed them back to health. The house, with its colonial garden, sits at the bottom of the hill, just beyond the fortress. The actual sword of Colonel William Ledyard is on display at the Fort Museum. So, like I was saying, all those wartime stories are just like, there was just so much death. There was just so much death. Sorry, I had a scratch. Uh, there, it was just a very volatile time. A very, a very um, bloody, so to speak. Just like, and not just like gory, like actually, like, not just like literal blood. Like figuratively too. Like people were out for blood. Um, and just like tensions were just, were just, I mean... That's why I think it's kind of hard to imagine people living in those times, because, like, they all hated each other. <laughs> Did they not? I mean, I mean, I, I feel like if you legitimately had friends back in the 1600s, 1700s, there was something very wrong with the situation. Like, there was definitely um, an ulterior motive if you had legitimate friends. <laughs> I feel like it was just enemies, enemies, enemies all the way around. But we actually do have some more pictures. 
Uh, the first one is, the remains of Fort Griswold still echo with those who lost their lives for the cause of freedom. And it's like, it's hard to, um, like, look at, like, look at how, like, attractive that picture is. Like, I really want to go there. Like, it just, like, it looks like a big field of fun, you know? Like, you know, like, those, like, fields that are just, like, so picturesque? I feel like that's, that's doing that for me. But it's, like, imagine going there, and it's, like, it's, oh, it looks so beautiful, but, like, people died there. Multiple people died there. And, again, to some, like I said with the whole, like, bed and breakfast thing in the last episode on Wednesday, that would probably be, um, appealing to a lot of people, like, like, the, the spirits linger there, or, the, like, the ghosts linger there, stuff like that, but, like, it's just, like, and that's, like, with a lot of things, it's, like, a lot of, the, like, the very nature-esque, like, animate, like, not animate, like, serene, peaceful-like scenes have the darkest histories, and that's, like, I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Tales from the Dark Side, the TV show from the 80s. It's basically like a Twilight Zone, except I find it scarier. Um, if you have not, highly recommend it. I'm pretty sure you can buy them on Amazon Prime. I have them on DVD because I'm old-fashioned like that. Not that I don't have Prime, because I do, but like I, I bought them because we just we have a DVD player, and it's like, it, it was so much cheaper. It's just so much cheaper to get the DVDs. And you can just pop them in, you know, you don't have to worry about the internet. Well, you do, because the TV, but... Anyway, the montage uh, in the beginning. It's it, The opening sequence is a montage of, like, different nature elements. And it looks very, very peaceful. And the music is very creepy, so it's not like, you know... It's like, it's nice but like it's creepy and then like it like goes to dark at the end and it's like it's a perfect 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 intro for a tv show one of the most iconic um definitely check out tales from the dark side if you haven't like big shout out tales from the dark side and then it has a uh, um a uh, a run what do you call those things like a a spinoff i said runoff a spinoff called tales from the crypt which I believe was in the 90s. So both great shows that are definitely um, worth a watch. Check them out if you haven't. Especially if you like the Evil and Eerie. Like it's, it is perfect for the Evil and Eerie and horror fans. And if you like the Twilight Zone, you'll definitely like those. If not, more. Just the same, if not more, is what I meant to say. Oh, so we also have a picture of the Ebenezer Avery House where the wounded and dying were taken after the mesh, uh, the massacre. So again, look at that house. That just looks like a nice, innocent like house. Ooh, my neck just cracked and it fucked up. Um, nice and innocent house right there. You see that? Um, that looks more like a barn. I feel like the pictures, <laughs> maybe the pictures got switched, like from the farm in the last episode, and um, that that this house now. I feel like they might have accidentally been switched. I'm kidding. Augustino and Nicholson authors don't come at me I was trying to make a joke it wasn't funny but I tried so that's uh like again but I mean like I get haunted vibes from it it's a very old looking house and anything like old looking just gives me the creepy ghosts are definitely surrounding this area vibes 
So, uh, not to say that, you know, it's, it's definitely like, you know, you know, not, but it, it, um, it looks good. It, you know, I would stay there. I would stay there. It looks like, um, we went to, when I was in third grade, we went to a, there's this place in Massachusetts that is like a simulation of life in the 1700s, um, and 1800s. It's called Sturbridge, I think. And it's like, it's, I mean, a lot of states have them. It was like old timey. Like you get to experience what life was like back then. And they had a lot of houses that looked like that. And a lot of them were like schoolhouses or courthouses. Um, or like places of religious worship. And I guess sanctuaries for uh, the people that got injured during the battles. So they're just, they're all one and the same. One and the same. I mean, creepy one and the same. So anyway. Let's move on, shall we? All right, let me find where I was in this wonderful... And you guys have a... Um, <laughs> the next time we look at the... I'm not going to give anything away, but the next time we crack open Connecticut Ghost Stories and Legends, because I'm, I'm looking at this next story, you guys are in for a treat. You really are. Uh, because the next one is a doozy. And it's... Um, it is uh, somewhere that I was recently, too. <laughs> which is... A little bit concerning and I but I, at the same time I kind of wish I'd seen it anyway we're moving on now all of the dead both British and revolutionaries were buried in a mass grave at the gates of the fort so hastily that many of them were barely covered by the soil in the end the British lost 51 men to the 85 suffered by the American side Okay, so, I mean, the British had 800, and the Americans had 150. For the British to have lost 51, and the American um, to, like, have lost 85, like, obviously the Americans lost more, but, like, they they did some damage with with a lot less men. They, the Americans did some damage on the British, I, I must say. Um... And, I mean, again, we're going back to, like, these bodies were barely covered by the... I thought I knocked my tripod down for a second. I heard something. But we're still standing. So, I mean, it's it's like, you see what I, like, meant by, like, the like improper burials and how the improper burials lead to all of the hauntings? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's... I'm telling you, it's those ghosts that are, like, they're coming back because... They need a final resting place, and they're probably scouting the earth to find it. Or maybe they're just fooling with people because it gives them past life entertainment. Who knows? Because that's what I'm going to do when I'm dead. Okay. Today, the fort along the Ebenezer Avery House is a museum and tourist site where people can visit and experience for themselves a bit of the past. Or in some cases... A bit of the past still lingers within its walls. Mm. Paranormal groups have recorded EVPs or ghost voices in the fort. The voices speak in an old English dialect, which would be normal for either side in the era the battle took place. People have taken photos of strange orbs in mist in the fort, suggesting that a strong source of energy still lingers within. Haunted Times Magazine along with the New England Paranormal Research Agency and Atlantic Coast Paranormal Research Group, it's a mouthful, 
captured a face on film in the Avery house. In the staff headquarters, they caught the voice of a little girl reciting her ABCs. They recorded a lot of no answers to their questions, suggesting that the energy there was intelligent and aware of their presence, which is just so creepy. And it's just like little kids reciting the alphabet, like how much spooky, how, how much spookier can you get? Like, honestly, like kids are, like I've said multiple times in the show, there's no one creepier than kids. Kids and like really old adults who are like cringy and creepy. Like no one beats them. I mean, I, I'd rather be stuck with an old person than like a, a a scary kid. Actually, would I? I don't know. That should be a poll. Maybe if Michelle actually listens to this, she doesn't. But, you know, maybe like if she for some reason happens to listen to this, she should do a poll. Would you rather be stuck with a scary old person or a scary child? Maybe I'll do that poll today. Maybe if you, you know, maybe I'll do that poll today. And it's Tuesday today, so the poll has expired by now if you're listening to this but um speaking of old english which i mentioned in that paragraph i studied a little bit of old english um as in a literature major in college and ooh, it's a creepy dialect like it's very like old english is like you can make some words out but like for the most part you can't like, it's a completely different language. Like, if you're thinking, like, Old English, like, like, the way they used to speak in colonial times, no. Old English is, like, I think it's, like, what's that? Like, it's, like, ancient, like, Anglo-Saxon mixed with, like, some Gaelic mixed with, you know, I mean, the Anglo-Saxon, like, does encompass, like, German a little bit, so there's, like, a little bit of German in there. Pretty sure there's, like, a little bit of French in there, too, but... It's like, maybe, maybe not the French, but I'd have to, my uh, advisor would kill me if she was listening to, if she, I'm probably getting it so wrong, but English, Old English is like, that, and if you know how to speak Old English, props to you, my professors, like, an advisor spoke it fluently, which is just amazing, but like, if I ever heard somebody talking in Old English to me, I'd probably run for the hills, it's, <laughs> it's kind of creepy, <laughs> so, there is a monument dedicated uh, in 1830 that stretches 134 feet into the air, marking the site of Connecticut's most famous Revolutionary War battle. It is inscribed with the names of 85 soldiers who gave their life for the cause of freedom. There is also a memorial plaque on the spot where Colonel Ledyard fell by his own sword. It's not telling me where, but that's another thing I want to see, like the Connecticut's most, you know, most famous revolutionary war battle like how would you not want to like stand where a piece of history was and history is just so fascinating i think after i finish recording this i'm gonna go watch a documentary on the history channel i'm saying i will but chances are like i said i was gonna research griswold it won't happen it'll just be a nice thought that'll disappear <laughs> uh it seems the ghostly voices of the fort still permeate the air to this day they obviously have something to say about the brutal battle that took place so long ago. Perhaps for history's sake, we should listen. Yes, we should. Um, I really want to go to that field, that like that park. I really hope it's open to the public. I'll have to, that I'm actually going to research because I want to plan a field trip there. But it is good to know that you can go to the house 
um, where they were keeping the wounded soldiers. Wounded soldiers, not the drinks. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, the people that were in the battles. Because, and you can go there for tours. I, I would be that person that would sneak off during the tour and end up like you know doing my own like investigations and then a ghost would come and scare the bejesus out of me that would just be my rotten luck <laughs> but uh that it's just um it's it's really cool when things have a historical significance and i think history is something that a lot of us take for granted it's something that we're kind of like because i mean when, i mean when we're all in school and we're taking history classes just like why do we need to know the past and all that? And we're so just like self, self-focused on the then and now that it's like, we wouldn't be here without history. You know, like if everything had not happened in history in its natural order, we wouldn't be sitting here today listening or doing this podcast. So I feel like we need to show a lot more appreciation for the past. As ugly as it was, it's history. We need to be familiar with it, you know? So, I, uh, I, I kind of want to do more, like, historical-based. I, I feel like we don't do enough um, history-based stuff. Like, I want to go, like, back. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, the farther you go back, the creepier things get. That explains a lot of origins for stuff. Like, the origins, like, imagine, like, the origins of Halloween. You know how much of that came from, like, the, the ugly parts of history, a lot of it. A lot of it. A lot of it. So that ends my inspirational TED Talk. But, um, and we are about a half hour in, so I'm going to cut it short. Uh, again, sorry, the solo episodes I do, I just have to make them shorter because there's no way I can go on for an hour with these solo episodes. I would just probably bore myself to sleep. No, I'm kidding. These aren't boring, are they? Um, well, thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe rate, review, download, like, and follow us on all of our socials. And I will be back on Monday, probably with Megan. Um, we're going to, I think, get together this weekend to try to record some stuff. But thank you for listening. And um, it's the weekend. Go enjoy yourself. Relax. If you've got a pool, go sit by it. And um, that's all I've got. Until next time. <laughs>